Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of Broadcast and Politics with Cisco Costa, and we have a special guest tonight, Reverend Chris Seller, Pastor Chris Seller, and he'll be here. He's part of the Never Trumpers, you know, that small group out there that opposes everything that Donald Trump does. Well, he'll be here. We're going to have a heated debate tonight, especially after the Mueller, Robert Mueller's testimony in Congress, which was part of, again, another circus by the Democrats. They are basically running out of time. You know, 2020 is around the corner, and they're trying their best. Hey, I got to give them credit. They're obsessed. They're obsessed with Donald Trump. You know, great economy, you know, working very hard to protect the border. Um, Oil prices seem to be very stable. People, more, more people are working. Companies are bringing back their money that they had outsourced. You know, so things are looking bright. The future looks bright for America. So, but it doesn't look bright for the Democrats. So, you know, they had to bring Robert Mueller back in to try and save them from that obsession and apparently fail. It was a big failure yesterday. Robert Mueller, uh, a frail man and at the age of 74, and, and, and I'm not putting him down for his age, because we will all get there. But the fact that Robert Mueller has been used by the Democratic Party as a weapon against the American people and as a weapon against Donald Trump. And it's obvious to the majority of us that that's what's been going on. But one of, one of the other things that I captured from the testimony was the fact that this is frail men who the Democrats put all their hopes on failed really bad. I mean, to the point where even some Democrat loyal loyalists who hate Donald Trump came out and said Democrats are done. The obsession, obsession that Democrats and never Trumpers have with Donald Trump, it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic to the highest proportions. And I feel sorry for them. I do. I don't like their politics, but everyone's entitled to have their own different opinion. Except they're not in, you're not entitled to your own facts. So I congratulate them on getting Robert, Robert Mueller out there, but he didn't do the job. They were expecting Robert Mueller to be Ken Starr when he went before Congress and said Bill Clinton needs to be impeached. That didn't happen. So, I would say that maybe 2024, they'll have a better chance. On the other hand, before our guest comes in, um, I would say that Jeffrey Epstein, the pedophile who hanged out with Bill Clinton, better watch his back. Uh, There were reports that that he attempted suicide, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I mean, the Clintons and many people are afraid that Epstein will start talking. So I'm predicting that if they don't get him to a maximum security prison, this man will be dead. Um, There are a lot of people out there who don't want Epstein alive. They were part of that pedophile uh, crew that flew on that Lolita Express to Pedophile Island 
And I don't believe that that's going to be uh, something that it's going to really, really, um, then I'm going to be happy if that happens. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, we're looking at, um, we're looking at, at a situation with Jeffrey Epstein that can bring down a lot of very powerful people. So we'll see where this goes, but it doesn't look good for Mr. M- Mr. Um, Mr. Epstein. And, uh, but I, I believe that if he does start talking, he will basically really enjoy. I think he'll enjoy writing out a lot of his friends, the friends that were basically helping him or working with him. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting. And we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how, how it plays out. Um, but I can't wait, you know, just get your popcorn out because I bet you the Democrats will bring him to Congress for one specific reason, to implicate or to try to implicate Donald Trump. So I can guarantee you that they will try their best. But anyway, we'll have, we have Chris Seller coming on on the line. Reverend Chris Seller, how are you? I'm great, Cisco. How are you doing? Fantastic. Um, for our audience, there have, they've been looking forward to um, having you on the show again. Um, can you let us know a little about who Reverend Chris Seller is? I'm sorry, what? Can you let our audience know more about who Chris Seller is? I'm a I'm a minister. I've been in the ministry for 18 years, and uh, I uh, <clears throat> I'm currently serving as a hospice chaplain. I pastor several churches, and I have three uh, degrees in um, three master's degrees in religion. And I am an avid political activist, <laughs> and I am part part of the part of the conservative, the very conservative libertarian-leaning part of the never-Trump movement. <laughs> uh, you, you're so humble, Chris. You're so humble. Uh, I love that about well, you. Well, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, tr- I'm trying to be humble, so hopefully I was. <laughs> well, let's, let's start with this whole situation with the Robert Mueller testimony. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you were listening, but I just did my little monologue on it. And, and, I, and, and I have to tell you right off the bat that not only Republicans or, you know, walk, the walkaway movement that is for Donald Trump believe that Robert Mueller actually destroyed the Democratic Party yesterday. Let me, let me just say, uh, read off something that Bill Maher, you know, Bill Maher is no fan of Donald Trump. Bill Maher said that the chances in 2020 were shrinking and they have shrunk thanks to the obsession with the Democrats with Trump and the Mueller farce. Now, hear, hear that. I mean, Bill Maher is, is to the extreme left. And then we have Michael Moore, another one who's not a loving fan of uh, Donald Trump, says, according to Moore, the lackluster display only highlights how stupid Democrats were for the past two years to put this, to put the faith in expecting Mueller to bring down Donald Trump. As a never-Trumper, and as someone that we're all aware that you want Trump to be impeached, how do you take those two comments? I mean, two two uh, descri- the description 
from two left-wing activists basically telling the Democratic parties that yesterday's Mueller testimony was a failure. Well, I, th- I find it funny that uh, that you cited them. Uh, we both know that they're insane. <laughs> and, and so, so, so now, so now all of a sudden, all, all of a sudden, because they play into a, into a narrative that's, that's helpful for Donald Trump, uh, you know, Republicans, you want to use them as their poster child. I mean, I saw I saw all this stuff. Yes, I saw I saw all this stuff yesterday on Twitter, and I'll just say that the here's here's what happened yesterday. There there were okay, two different okay. things that happened. If mm-hmm. if you were if you were looking for optics, if you, if your if your idea of of your party winning the 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 hearings was based upon optics. Than the GOP won. If your uh-huh. if your idea of winning was uh, was based upon substance and content, the Democrats won. The problem is that in the, in the society that we live in, most people don't pay any attention to substance. All they pay attention to is optics, and the optics were terrible because Robert Mueller he couldn't hear. It was very clear that there was something wrong with his hearing aid. He couldn't hear. And he seemed confused, and he was the format was awful for someone that was seventy four years old and is clearly past his prime. Okay. You know to 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 to, to give to to give uh-huh. him to give five minutes to forty one congressmen and to let to let you know people like Jim Jordan and uh, Louis Gilbert mm-hmm. and Collins. To let, to let these guys have five minutes where they just speak as fast as they can and basically give a speech and then ask questions rapid, rapid fire, it was not a good format. And uh, frankly, that's Nadler's fault. That, that, right. that, was, that was a huge mistake. But um, mm-hmm. if, you look at the actu- if you look at the actual facts that came out mm-hmm. of, the, of, the, of the hearing itself, they were okay. very, very damning for Donald Trump. The problem is most people aren't going to see most people aren't going to see that. All they saw was an old man that was having a hard time keeping up with what was going on. Okay, so so basically, uh, based on uh, on your on your analysis of the hearings, you're saying the Democrats on substance came out ahead. Okay, so when when. When it was asked, when the Democrats and the Republicans were asking Mr. Mueller a question about GPS infusion, which I, I'm quite sure you know what that is, right? I do. Uh, yeah. So on page 103, volume two, and you have read the report just like I have, right? Yes, I have. Okay. So the report, they're asking Mr. Mueller, the report on page 103, volume two of your report when discussing the June 26th, uh, June, two, um, June 26th Trump Tower meeting, you referenced the first, the firm that produced the Steele report, which is Christopher Steele, the UK, uh, the British uh, intelligence agent. The name of the firm was Fusion GPS. Is that correct? What was Mueller's answer? I'm not familiar with that. So you're telling me that... I, I, on substance, this guy helped out the Democrats, but he didn't even know what Fusion GPS was, or he didn't want to, well, or he didn't want to answer. Actually, so, since I since I since I watched since I watched the the hearing, uh huh, um, right. The the problem is with the, the problem with the transcript is you can't mm-hmm. see him him asking him to repeat it over and over and over again because Mueller can't hear. And that's what and that's what I was that's what I said to you initially was you yeah. can't hear. I my I believe I believe that he couldn't hear a vast majority of what happened during the hearing. <laughs> okay. okay. I um, mean, I mean, which he's not senile. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have dementia like Mark Levin said. He's just. He, you know, you you, 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 you have a Vietnam veteran who served with distinction, 
Right. And he's in an environment where there's lots of noise, and yeah. he has people that are speaking to him very quickly. Uh-huh. See, here's the, here, here's the thing. I work with okay. senior citizens. I'm a hospice. Tra- I'm a hospice chaplain. Okay. And I understand. I, so I understand how difficult it is for a lot of seniors to hear. And um, it's very frustrating to have a conversation with someone that's in their 80s that that doesn't have good hearing aids because uh, they'll pretend to hear things and yet, you know, they'll nod their head and they'll smile at you and yet they can't hear anything that you're saying. And I think to a great extent, that's what happened. And if you look at the, um, if you look at later on in the hearing, Mueller Mm -hmm. gets better when they get to volume two. He actually is much better than he is during the first part of the hearing. But the first part of the hearing, there was something very wrong. Well, I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, okay. Mueller, if, if, if what you're saying is correct, that he couldn't hear really well because the setting that was basically constructed by Gerald Nadler, who's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. So, you know, it was the, the whole show was run by the Democrats. So if, if you're if what you're saying well, is correct from a from a from a PR point of view, yes, I agree with you. Okay. From a from a purely from purely from a public relations point yeah. of view, I completely agree. That's that's I already conceded that earlier okay. when we were talking about this. I know, but 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 this is where I'm gonna come back and, and, and I want to see your response. When you're telling me that he couldn't hear for some things he could hear, but for from for a hundred hundred and twenty three times, Mr. Mueller did not. He dodged direct questions. He said, "I'm not giving an answer to that question." Isn't it interesting for someone who couldn't hear? Basically, he says, "I'm not going to answer that question." A hundred and twenty three times. It, well. Yes, and that's a that's a great point. And when when he could know what he could hear, if he could, there were times you could hear, and there were times that he couldn't hear. And what I would say to you is, what if you watch the if you watch the the, the sound bites that all of the Republicans are cheering about, sharing on social media. If you look at those, if you look at those those video clips, the questions that are asked by the Republicans are almost always questions that either he can't answer because they deal with ongoing matter, ongoing investigations, they're classified, or they have something to do with something that's not within the purview and the bounds of the actual report itself. And one of the things a lot of people don't realize is the day before the day before he testified, he received a letter from the Department of Justice mm-hmm. telling him that he could not speak about anything outside of the Mueller report. And the Republicans knew that. And so they intentionally asked him questions they knew he could not respond to so that they could make him look like he was he was dodging questions, which from a political point of view is really smart. I mean, I understand from a from a, from a purely political point of view, it's very smart. They they were successful. They made him look terrible. He made himself <laughs> look terrible as well. Um, right. But when I talk about substance, I'm talking about the the, the actual the, the, when they actually got to the substance of what was in the report that most Americans have never heard. Things okay. like the Trump campaign cord, coordinating with the Russians and oh, okay. uh, the obstruction, obstruction of justice, those things. Okay. Uh, I, I, 909-490, do you have a question for Chris? Hello? Okay, they're there, but they don't want to. They just want to listen. So okay, so you're going. Hello. Let's go back. Oh yes, go Hello. ahead. Sorry. Uh, do you have, do you have, I'm sorry. Do you have a I question know. for? <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you have a question for Chris Seller? Um yes. Um I was just. I'm trying to get familiar with both of your voices. So, um, may I ask, please, which one of you were talking about? Um, you are not being able to hear. <laughs> I'm I'm the host and I'm the one I'm the one who uh, oh well I'm the host but Chris Seller is the guest. Oh okay um Chris um if I may ask if you referred to just a moment ago that the Republicans were asking questions that um, were outside of the Mueller report uh, which he which Mueller had stated in his opening statement. Oh there's a lot of background noise. 
Yeah. Um. Hey, Chris, is that is that is that noise is coming from you? I'm sorry. What? Uh, we we're hearing a background noise. Background noise coming from you. Okay. So what was the question? Yeah, nine oh, the question is, the question is, um, then why did the Republicans, when they had asked the question and Mueller said it wasn't within his purview, that they had pointed to um, parts of the report, his report, um, showing that it's right here in the report. Um, so how is it outside your purview if it's right here in your report? Okay, so, so that's, a, that's a great question. First of all, there are three different versions of the report. There's the there's the version of the report the public has. There's the version of the report that the uh, that the House Intelligence Committee has, and there's a version of the report that the Senate Intelligence Committee has. Okay, I don't know if you're aware uh-huh. of that, uh, uh, but, but there, so there are three different versions, and they're all redacted differently. Right. So so there are certain things redacted from certain portions that aren't redacted from other from other portions. By the way, on the, on you know from. As far as Bill Barr is concerned, that's pretty savvy. That's pretty. That's pretty smart the way that he did that, um, because there's there are basically three different reports. But for instance, I'll give you an example of this. Jim Jordan asked a question about misfits, and um, and and he asked. Or misfit is is one of the one of the individuals that's at the genesis of the investigation. Well, right. Jim Jordan knew that he could he couldn't answer that question. Because there's something classified about Misfit, or there's some ongoing investigation with Misfit, and Mueller couldn't talk about it. And Jim Jordan knew full well he couldn't talk about it. And that's why Jim Jordan did that. Because well, the it, question it, that it, Jim it Jordan had asked is that why did he charge Misfit for lying if he lied three times to them when, he, when Mueller charged other people for lying? And he wanted to know why is that? Why didn't you charge? Uh, Joseph Nixon. And what I'm telling okay. what I'm telling you is Jim 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 Jordan most likely knows the answer to that question. See, this is this is this is this is politics. So Misfit is either he either works for the CIA or he works mm-hmm. for the FBI or he's, a, he's an informant or he works for he works for uh, for for MI6. We we don't know. You know, or, or there's some other investigation pending on him, and so we can't talk about any of it. And here's the reality: we have no idea what mis- what what's up with Misfit. We don't know. And so a lot of the report is like this, especially the redacted portions. And there are redacted portions even about Misfit in the in the first part of the report. So when you when, when you when you watch a, a hearing with a report that's filled with classified information and ongoing investigations that can't be discussed, this is this is incredibly dishonest for for someone to pursue that, that line of questioning. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, there was another question uh, um, that was asked um, by Mr. Liu where he had gone down the line to qualify um, obstruction of justice, that it had to meet three qualifications, and he read those off. And initially, um, Mueller had agreed, and then, well, in that same question session between the two, um, he corrected himself and said, no, that that doesn't, it doesn't apply or he doesn't agree. are Are you asking about his comments about the OLC opinion? Yes. Okay, um, that's, there's there's two different ways that that could be interpreted. Either he really believed that he couldn't indict because of the OLC opinion, which he already has stated, and he chose not to, although he wanted to, and he needed to change the statement because the report said something different. Because you have to remember, everything that Mueller said had to be had to match up with the report, mm-hmm. or 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 Mueller actually never made a decision one way or the other, and the reality is because he changed his statement at the end of the conference, we're ne- we, are, we may not ever know which is the truth, which is really unfortunate. Okay. Um, well, okay, so are you saying that we don't know? Okay, so he claimed, or people are claiming that he didn't charge him because of the OLC. And then 
he agreed with that, but then he, at the end he disagreed with that and said, no, that that was not the only reason why, and he wanted to clarify. So are you saying that he said that just because he felt he needed to, that really he wanted to charge him? What I'm saying is there's two possibilities. Either he, either he misunderstood the question or he understood the question, which I believe, I believe he understood the question based upon the way the question was asked because it was asked twice and uh -huh. he answered in the affirmative. Uh -huh. um, I, think, I think he changed his statement because the report didn't say that. And he, uh -huh. that, was the, that was one of the things that he said that was outside the bounds of the report, and he was not supposed to say anything outside the bounds of the report. Hmm. Okay. Um, All right, now, sir. as far as at the end, though, then he, he clarified that he did not agree with that. But, okay, so we'll, I'll just let you have that one. Um, one more question. Do you think, yeah, go ahead. Um, as far as the whole exoneration thing goes, that Mueller even had the authority or whatever it is to exonerate? Because that kind of confused me a little bit, but then it made sense as far as, I guess not. You wouldn't. Okay, that's a, that's a good question. Let me let me let me tell let, let, let me tell you my perspective on that. That okay. is not really a that's not really a legal term, um, <laughs> and he used it he used it intentionally. It was not an accident, and um, I believe the reason he used that term was because he believes that Trump was guilty of obstruction of justice, and by using that terminology. Um, it's kind of like a red flag to Congress. Hey, listen, um, we did not we did not exonerate him, but we didn't charge him. This is up to you to handle from here on out. Um, he, if he had, here's the thing: a lot of people will, Republicans will say, well, he should have charged. He should have charged because that's what the OLC guidelines say. He was supposed to he was supposed to charge, and it was an invalid investigation. We should throw out volume two of the report. The problem is. It's, it's, it's intellectually dishonest to say that, because if he had actually recommended an indictment, the Republicans would have said he was a hack and a partisan, and they would have crucified him. So no matter no matter what he did, he was going to be crucified by both sides. If he had said that if he had said that Trump was innocent, the Democrats would have crucified him. And so because Mueller is a man of integrity, and he is a man of integrity. Because he's a man of integrity, he he made the decision to split the baby. And if you if you don't if you're not familiar with that with that reference, it's a reference to King Solomon. Um, two women were fighting over a baby, and uh, they both said that they were its mother. And King Solomon said, "Okay, well I'll tell you what, I'll split the baby in half." And the real mother said, "No, she can have it." And King Solomon said, "That's the real mother." So um, you know, I think Mueller attempted to split the baby. Because he doesn't want to be, he's not a partisan hack. But uh, no one was okay. ever going to be happy with how this turned out, ever. Uh, well, let's, okay, for him to find Trump innocent or anybody innocent for that matter, but because we're speaking about the president specifically, it wasn't his job to find the president innocent. It's no prosecutor's job to find anybody innocent. They're supposed to find him guilty. And so that's kind of why I have a problem with the way that was done. But um, I, I, with, uh, as far as well, Mueller goes and, and his investigation um, and whether or not he was going to be considered a hack, he could have recommended impeachment. And that's what the Democrats were trying to get him to say, you know, as far as his recommendation. He can't yep. recommend indictment, but he could have recommended impeachment, and he didn't do that. He said he didn't want to discuss it, um, and and he basically didn't want to talk about it. But um, I, I don't well, understand if you could have done it. It was a matter of him being a hack, and he's not doing his job because you don't care whether you're going to be called a hack or not. You do your job. You do what's right. You do, you do what the law says. And if well, he didn't have integrity, he wouldn't have allowed I understand your point of view, but the reality is, is that he, he would have been demonized far worse and I tell you what, the reality is, is that for the very beginning, and it's always been this way with special counsels, ultimately a special counsel gathers information and it goes to Congress and Congress determines whether or not to impeach or not. That's what it's always about. And mm -hmm. that's why Donald Trump, that's why Donald Trump said when they started a special counsel, he said, my president, 
I, he said, I'm, my president's over, I'm effed. Because in the past, um, that's what happens. You know, historical you really president says that if have done the wrong thing because he felt he was going to be demonized. I mean, basically, when <laughs> he was done with his job, he packed up his boxes and went home. So I just think that if he truly felt that there was a, a recommendation due, regardless of being demonized, he's, he's not a wimp. And as you said, he's a man of integrity, but that integrity is only as, as good as his, his job. And he didn't mm-hmm. perform if he really felt that it, he should have been impeached and he didn't recommend because he felt he would be demonized. I mean, please. I think really, I, I think he I I think I think he did the country a great service. So because because <laughs> okay. I, I think what you're gonna I think I think I think what you're gonna see is I don't think Trump will be impeached. Uh, I would love to see it happen because it's justified, but I don't think he's gonna be impeached. And I, you know I I think that um, as much as I think he should be impeached, I think it would be really really hard for this country to survive it. So, well, you know, I think my that, uh, and I respect your opinion on that. I, I respectfully disagree, but, um, but thank you very much for taking okay. my call and my question. Well, thank you. Right. Thank you for uh, calling in. Uh, but I have to agree with you before you go. I mean, the, uh-huh. this whole, this, this whole spectacle, this whole circus that the Democrats have, have displayed for the past years in regards to the, the Russian scam Mm-hmm. That has been perpetrated on the American people, which would totally, totally has been a waste of taxpayer money. And the the, the funny thing about this, two of the important individuals that should have been t- uh, uh, testifying, and Mueller should have basically talked to them, he never did. One was Glenn Simpson. He's the founder of GPS Fusion, the intelligent agency that prepared the dossier, the Trump dossier. And Mr. Christopher Steele, the former UK agent. Now, if he really was doing his job, which was basically going after the individuals that perpetrated Russian um, interference elections, then I would have I would have said today, yes, he did his job. He did not do his job, and he is a political hack. I agree. I think there were people that he could have gone after to look more into the exactly. thing, and he didn't. There were he didn't ask anybody any questions, and of course there were yeah, investigations that are still continuing. So we'll hear about Nellie Orr and her husband Bruce Orr and all of the exactly. shenanigans they're going. You know what? I was yep. just about I to just, mention. You know, you know. I was just about you know, to mention you know, Mr. Cisco. Orr. Cisco. Yeah, Cisco. <laughs> I'm here. I I would just like. I just like to respond to what you said. Uh, you know, I um, I think the thing that really troubles me is is that partisans want to talk about they want to talk about things like Misfit and, and Simpson, and they don't know partisans don't know why he didn't talk to them. They don't know. And okay. um, and when you make when you make an argument from silence. Uh, you can assume whatever you want. An argument for silence is basically talking to yourself. And <laughs> okay. what what I'm more, what, what I'm much more concerned about is what's actually in the report. You know what evidence is actually in the report. What actually happened? And there's lots of things in the report that are very very ugly, and there's lots of corruption, and there's lots of deception, and there's lots of very corrupt conduct carried out by the president of the United States. Oh, and, yeah. you know, Republicans can, 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 Republicans can try to deflect and, and say, well, the report is wrong here, and this should have happened, that should have happened. But all that is really is a, is a deflection from what's actually in the report, which is damning for the president. Damning. Well, if, this so, was president Obama, so, if this was President Obama, if this was President Obama, Republicans would want him gone yesterday. And because it's a so pro- it's a Republican, then why are so there I just, current I, investigations ongoing with the people who were conducting the investigation? Because mm-hmm. Bill Barr, Bill Barr, because Bill Barr is Donald Trump's AG, and he will do whatever <laughs> Trump tells him to do. It's, <laughs> okay. it's not hard to figure out. He's he's Donald Trump's Eric Holder. It's not. It's not hard to figure. That's a whole other issue altogether. The the attorney general's office 
in this country is, a, is, is actually not – they're not actually about justice. They're actually about defending corruption in the, in the executive branch. I'm sick of that. And, oh, yeah, and what yeah. if that report comes out and we find out that it was – the investigation was basically put on in order to oust the president. I mean, by, you know – that's not what's, that's FBI, not, I can, I can tell you, I can, I can tell you right now, that's not going to happen. What's going to happen is there's going to be tidbits and there's going to be little things that, that are going to, for the red meat, red meat for the base, it's going to make Republicans think that the, that the Democrats did this and that, but there's going to be no hard proof. Republicans are going to scream and they're going to be upset about it. Then in the end, no one's going to go to jail. Nothing is going to happen because nobody ever goes to jail. Lois Lerner didn't go to jail. I mean, she 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 was the head of the IRS. What she did to okay, the Tea clear. Party groups was absolutely terrible. I'm just telling you, the right. government our government is a is a is a corrupt criminal criminal enterprise. I don't care which party is Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Chris. You accuse me of being, you know that. We, you didn't want to talk about conspiracy here. So are you telling me that you have your own conspiracy about the government? I, I think it's pretty <laughs> obvious to anybody who's paying. Let, let me ask you a question. Do, do you believe that? Oh, okay. So do you, you no, pick let me ask you a question. Do you, you no, pick and choose. Wait, wait, wait. You pick and choose. You pick and choose what conspiracy is okay with you. Well, hold on, hold, hold on a second. You need to be fair. I mean, the reality is you and I both know that Lois – are you telling – are you going to defend Lois Lerner? Please defend no, Lois Lerner. No, no, of course not. No, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, she should have been – she okay, should have okay, been – what about, what about Fast and Furious? Definitely. What about Fast and Furious? Do you, do you, Eric okay. Holder so, should have been in prison too. Okay, and yeah. all, I'm, all I'm saying to you is, is, that, is that Bill Barr is the, is the GOP's Eric Holder. And, and this is what our government has become. They just cover up corruption for their own party. That's not a conspiracy well, there was two different theory. Things, though. I mean, they were but Eric Holder was straight busted, and there was documentation of what had gone on. And that investigation pretty much concluded, I think it was last year or the year before, finally. And still there mm-hmm. were unanswered questions about it. But uh, And so with that, and, and here with A.G. Barr, you don't have any hard evidence. That you're just saying that the president ordered well, actually, him actually, to actually, actually, you do. You do because because his summary, his initial summary that came out on the Mueller report misrepresented the facts. He, he said that he, he he indicated that that there was there was nothing that there was nothing in the report that was that that implicated the president of any wrongdoing whatsoever, and he was wrong. It was, it was a flat-out lie, and it was genius because what happened was, as a result of it, most people just said, okay, the president's innocent, and they let's go on with this. But he didn't even talk about all the obstruction of justice. The, the obstruction of justice in Volume 2 of the Mueller report is egregious. It's hmm. egregious. So let me ask you something, Chris. If, if Mueller's yeah. responsibility was to investigate the Russian interference into the election, okay, why was it um, Hillary Clinton subpoena to testify? Because according to Glenn Simpson, the founder of GPF Fusion, he was paid by Hillary Clinton's campaign to find dirt on Donald Trump. And they met secretly with the top Justice Department official in 2016, Mr. Bruce Orr. It, he was really focusing Hillary Clinton should have been indicted. And if you recall, she should have been indicted. Wait a minute. Did you say? Did you say she should have been indicted? Is that what you said? Well, she should have testified at least. She should have been. uh, Mueller should have. Mueller should have uh, uh, had her testify. You know what? This is this is internal. This is internal information of an investigation. I don't know why they talked to her, why they didn't talk to her. They know why they right. didn't talk to her. And, this, and this, is what, this is what I was talking about earlier. When you make arguments from silence, you end up talking to yourself because we, cause we have no idea what they knew and what they don't know. No, I mean, no, but Chris, 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 over, Chris, over, Chris, over, this over came, half, this hold on a second, over, over, half, over half of the report is redacted. 
over half but of Chris, it's So you have no Chris, idea what's actually in the full report. No, but this this was a conversation that Glenn. Uh, this is an interview that Glenn Simpson gave to one of the reporters. I think it was from Mother Jones or the Daily Caller, one of them, where he said that basically they were paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign using a foreign agent, Christopher Steele, to create the Trump dossier. They were paid to Perkins Coy. Exactly. Tell me if he was really focusing on investigating the Russian interference. That would have been it in the elections. Well, I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't really, Cisco, I don't even think that's relevant because Barr is doing his own investigation. So all the hand-wringing in the world over this, it it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense to hand-wring about it because now the Republicans are investigating the Democrats. So, uh, you know, I just, I, I I find arguments from silence completely fruitless. Go ahead. Go ahead. 909. Okay, my question. Oh, by the way, my name is Suzette. <laughs> this is oh, Suzette. Anyway, oh. yes. <laughs> um, so at this point, where Comey, James Comey, was still employed, and he had gone before the committee, and he testified saying that about the dinner that the president and he had, and during that dinner, he had told the president that he was cleared of any charges, that he was not under any investigation, and the president wanted James Comey to tell the press that or to tell people that because he wanted to show I'm not under investigation so it wouldn't hinder his presidency but James Comey felt that that he couldn't do that for whatever reason and so he didn't do that and then he was fired which was under the president's power to do that for whatever reason he wanted to didn't even have to have a reason he could let him go and then somehow from there we went to investigating the president um, for obstruction as well as the Russia investigation. Those two got conflated, combined together after we were told that the president was under investigation. But now he's under investigation for firing Comey. I, I mean, we forgot about that. I mean, if it's- okay, so what's the question? So how do you resolve that that incident, what took place, and what, why we, the president has been investigated for two years? Okay, so when you so if you're talking if you're talk if you're talking about obstruction of justice, there were there were ten to twelve instances of obstruction of justice, and yeah, it's in the oven, and the uh, the but he was not under the investigation. Issue, Comey had said he was not under investigation for anything. It wasn't until afterwards when. Yeah. Was fired, but now he became under investigation. I don't have tomatoes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, Chris, answer. Yeah, answer that uh, um, question, please. Okay. So, um, uh, the FBI director is supposed to have a ten-year term, and um, it is it is highly unusual for them to be fired. It's not that the president can't fire fire them. It's just that they usually don't, um, and so this was a this was a a, un, a unique situation that you had here, and I'd also add that um, there were conversations that Comey had with the president prior to being fired, and the president asked him to do things that Comey was not comfortable doing because they were wrong, and so. Um, he was asking him to do things that were unethical. He was asking him to lie to the American people. He was asking him to, to he was he was asking him to, to um, to, to basically go easy on people that were part of his administration. And um, so he, you know, that's that's shady. That's unethical behavior. And so you know that was completely justified. It was completely justified to start the investigation into obstruction of justice. There's no question about that whatsoever. The president shouldn't have, shouldn't have obstructed, obstructed justice. He just shouldn't. The reason why the president had asked him that, and James Comey even said so in the hearing, was because of the fact that the agents that had questioned Flynn, or General Flynn. Um, had said really that there wasn't anything. He made a mistake as far as what he was answering the question, and he misanswered it or misspoke. But it wasn't anything to really make any big deal about. And so that's why the president had said, you know, what do you think? Can we let this go? 
you know, because basically the other agents had agreed that there was no big deal. He just spoke, and that was that. But and so that's where that came from, and that was in the so testimony. There was a there was a lot there was a lot more than just that that took place. Yeah. Flynn 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 did some did some things that he really shouldn't have done. He was involved with the foreign government. Um he was clearly compromised. He but should have never minute, been he should have never been appointed to that position. Wait, 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 Chris. Mr. Flynn was involved in, in connecting with foreign governments, but I just read to you where the Hillary campaign was working with a UK agent, a foreign agent called Christopher Steele. So if Mr. My, if Mike Flynn gets in trouble and gets indicted or goes to prison, how come no one from the Hillary Clinton campaign, even including Hillary, did Mr. Mueller go the, after? The, See, this, you're, this is you're, what a partisan hack you're, he is. No, you're, you're, no, you're conflating issues. When Flynn, the reason Flynn got in trouble is because no, this is this is a this is a legal fact. Flynn okay. Flynn was supposed to file paperwork. He was supposed to file paperwork as the NSA director. He was supposed to file paperwork that he uh-huh. was that he he had been involved with a foreign government. He did not do that. Hillary Clinton's people had no responsibility whatsoever to tell anybody that they had been talking to Christopher Steele. And Christopher Steele was a private citizen and they hired him to a private company and, and you, you, you're, you're you're comparing apples and oranges and and please don't make me defend hillary clinton Cisco. i don't i really don't want to do that it's so gross <laughs> i don't want to do that <laughs> well uh suzette uh if you want to stay on but i'm gonna uh, you know mr uh seller we're gonna we're gonna talk about it right now we're gonna go on to justin amashu's chris Candidate for 2020, you know he's a he's a fellow, you know, hopefully a fellow libertarian at one point. Um, so, the last 15 minutes we're gonna we're gonna uh, 14 minutes we're gonna touch on Justin and his run for office. So we're gonna move away from. But if you want to stay on the line and ask him questions in regards to Justin and Ash, uh, please do so. I'll mute. I'll mute myself. Thank you very much. I'll continue to listen. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. So, Chris, we're going to go on to your favorite topic, which is Justin Amash's uh, run for presidency. How do you see that? When is he going to uh, make the announcement, and when is he going to become a libertarian? Okay, uh, that's a great question. Um, mm-hmm. hold, hold on just one second. Sarah? Sure. In 10 minutes, can you pull out the chicken icicle? Icicle by cheese. Save me, save me some food. Okay, so, so, all right, all right so, I'm sorry. Anyways, so, yeah, I heard you. Okay. So, anyways, uh, that's a great question. Um, it's pretty clear to me that he is going to run. Um, okay. I've, I've studied, I've studied Justin Amash um, pretty extensively. I started the Facebook group Amash for President. Um, mm-hmm. We've grown from two members uh, in March. To 2,000 members in just a three-month period of time. Um, okay. It's a tremendous movement, and we we have uh, team, teams on Twitter and on Facebook that promote and defend Justin Amash and present his message and policy to other people. Um, Justin Justin left the Republican Party uh, mm-hmm. in on July 4th and declared his independence from the GOP, and I believe that that was his first major step towards uh, first preparing to run for president as a libertarian, but I don't think that he will join the Libertarian Party until probably sometime in September. Right. Uh, because I think that he's a very uh, he's a very methodical thinker, and he thinks through things very, very carefully, and I think that he wants to make sure that he does it at the right time. He doesn't want to switch from the Republican Party right to the Libertarian Party. Uh, I believe that he will he will announce his change of parties in September, and my guess is that sometime within a few weeks after that, he will announce his run for president of the United States. Well, it's going well, to be a big deal too when he when, when he when he leaves parties when he when he joins the Libertarian Party, it's going to be a very big deal because there's never been 
a, a, a sitting congressman that's been a member of the Libertarian Party before. Okay, so it's going so, to be a historic event. Well, you know, the 2020 Libertarian uh, Convention is going to be in Austin, Texas. So it would be fantastic for him to be at the convention, the Libertarian Convention, because uh, ever since we had uh, Gary Johnson, which I hated him, and Billy, I mean, Bill Wells, you know, basically two losers running the last time for the Libertarian Party. If he shows up at the Libertarian uh, Convention 2020, that that would be a really, really good uh, endorsement. Uh, he'll get a lot of endorsement from, from the uh, Libertarian Party if he does that. I I fully expect him to to be to announce before that, and I expect him to be at the convention in in May. Obviously, I'm not part of I'm not part of Justin's inner circle. I do have contact. I do have I do have the ability to contact him, but I don't I, I'm not close to him, and I don't talk to him in any detailed manner. Uh, you know, if I send him a message telling him that uh, I think he's a great guy and I, I appreciate his stances for liberty and the Constitution, he might send me a message back saying thank you. <laughs> That's about my uh, my connection with Justin Amash. Um, but I do know other people that actually do know him and that are part of his outer circle. Right. And uh, mo- many most of them believe that there's a very good chance that he's going to run for president. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, I think one of the most fascinating things about, about Justin Amash running for president is that I think that people make the – People have made the mistake in the past of underestimating Justin Amash. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is in the past, in his district, uh, the establishment has tried, the GOP establishment has tried to primary him on several occasions. And, they, and these people have had establishment backing and super PACs and all kinds of money and all kinds of support. And Justin always has less money and he always wins. You know, this is fifth term in Congress. And he kind of came okay. out of nowhere. Oh no, no, no! I, 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 I follow his progress, and like I said, I think uh, he'll get a as a as a proud libertarian. Uh, and again, let me correct you on this: libertarians come in all forms. You you have left wing uh, left wingers that are libertarians. You have right wingers that are libertarians. Then you have moderate libertarians. Libertarians come in all packages. Okay. I don't know if you I'm knew fully that. aware. I'm fully aware of that. Uh, you're fully aware. So it's a, yes. it's a very it's a very big tent. Yeah, it's a very diversified. Uh, you know, because I was at the. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was at the, the last uh, convention. I was uh, I was in Phoenix. Uh, you know, a libertarian uh, event a couple uh, two years ago. So, and I met people who were basically left wingers and right wingers. So, very diversified. Um, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would say that Justin, I would say that Justin would uh, is a uh, is a classical liberal libertarian. So he's a he he would be a Glenn Beck libertarian. That's the, Beck. that's where you would place him on. He's not a, he's not an anarchist. Uh, you know he's not a he's not a um, a minarchist. He's he's really a, like a classical liberal, which is what the founders were. And which is where I am on the on the on the paradigm as well. So you're so you're 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 confessing on my show today that you're a, a liberal. A classical liberal. A classical liberal. Yeah, it's a big well, well, it's a, it's a big well, difference. The, the the founders were classical. A classical liberal and a constitutional conservative are the same thing. Okay. Just so you understand, right. I, I've always so, looked at you as a, I always looked at you as a constitutional, uh, not a classical liberal. I'm, so, I'm, but I'll, 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 I'll yeah, get I'm used a, to it. I'll, I'll get used to it. Um, yeah, just by the look, way, do a do a do a Google search on classical liberal. A classical liberal is just somebody that believes in following the Constitution and believes in liberty. I don't think there's too many classical liberals in Congress today. But anyway, I do want to. Yeah, I do want to very few. There are very few. I know they've become socialists. So I, I want to ask you about uh, Mr. Amash in regards to Israel. So Mr. Okay. Amash voted present in regards to the anti-Israeli boycott, divestment and sanctions movement that was pushed by 
AOC and a lot of um, other members of the uh, Progressive Caucus, you know, which inclu- include Omar and Rashida Talibia, whatever her her last name is. Um, but why did he vote present? So is he is he somewhat anti-Israel? Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, here's here here is the thing. Every time you look at the way that Justin Amash votes, his votes he will he will vote present, or he will vote no on legislation that he thinks is either a political stunt, or is has anything in it whatsoever that is either unconstitutional or wasteful spending. So when so when Justin voted present, he obviously believed it was a political stunt. He believed there was something in the in the resolution that was inappropriate. I'll give you another example of this. He voted no on the iron on the Iron Dome funding, mm-hmm. and his issue with it was he he actually said he supported the Iron Dome Iron Dome funding. The issue that he had with it was there was no, the, the normal government oversight that is that goes with the United States providing funding for people mm-hmm. on military on military. Um, and military equipment deals or military arms deals that had been yeah. removed from the bill for Israel. And he said, well, I'm sorry, but you know, I, I approve of the actual, of the actual project. I just, I, there should, there, there should still be supervision. So, you know, when you, anytime you look at a, a vote from Ramash, you kind of have to dig into it and a vote like that. And you have to figure out why he voted the way he did. He votes almost. He uh, he posts almost all of the reasoning for his votes on Facebook and Twitter, as well. Mm, okay. We we got a question from seven three two. You have a question for Chris Seller in regards to Justin Amash. Seven three two. Are you there? Apparently not. So, in regards to. Um, Mr. Mosh runs for running for the presidency of the United States in 2020. How is he going to be able to get on the ballot in 50 states if he's running as an independent? I mean, if he was running as a libertarian, the libertarians have come a long way. We're, we're basically almost on every ballot uh, in the country uh, now. So how yeah. is he going to get on I the ballot? Believe, I believe that, that he will only run as a libertarian. I do not believe there's okay. any chance that he will run. I do not believe there's any chance that he will run as an independent because ballot access, unless the Koch brothers and, uh, and the Mercers are behind him and they want to, and they want to, you know, fund and they want to give him, you know, three or $4 billion. <laughs> I, there's no, there's no way for him to actually be, have 50 state ballot access. Well, Most people don't even realize that ballot, that ballot, that ballot access is a big, it's a thing. I mean, uh, Schultz oh, yeah. dropped out of the campaign, the owner of Starbucks, because he realized that you know he was going to spend a billion dollars just to get ballot access. Exactly, exactly. It's very, I mean, it's very, very difficult, very challenging. But but, but um, the Koch brothers, you have to be very careful. Now they're joining forces with uh, Soros, so we, I'm not sure where they stand. Today, I know that they have a, they have a dislike for Donald Trump. Okay, uh, we have 90 seconds to go. Basically, summarize what what do you see in, in a Justin Amash presidency in 2020? Okay, I mean, in 2021, uh, in 2021, think, if he wins. Okay, if so, if he wins, yeah. If 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 he wins, I think what you'll see is I think you'll see he's a unifier, and I, I I think you'll see that he'll he would open up the way that Congress operates. He would demand that in open process, both parties decided that they were going to work together and deliberate in Congress instead of it being all about the majority leader and the speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that you would see massive federal spending spending cuts. And I believe okay. that uh, you would see I, – I, I don't believe that you would see uh, Planned Parenthood funding anymore. I think it would be eliminated uh, okay. completely. And I think that you would – I think you, what you would see is uh, a president who is as close to Calvin Coolidge as you can get in the 21st century. Fantastic. 
which is which, Very which, well which, which is quite and which is quite a compliment. Yeah, hopefully hopefully I'll see him in uh, at the convention center convention next year. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, um, all right, everyone, and have a great weekend. God bless America, and we'll see you next week with another excellent guest. I'm Brad Captain Thank you. Thank you.